0: You notice the waves here in the picture? Everybody remember what Peter's famous for? Jesus comes walking on the water. He sent the disciples into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. There's a big storm. Jesus comes walking on the water, and in one of the Gospels it says, as though he's going to pass them by. Hi, guys. it's so on the other side. And they go, ah! A ghost! They freak. I mean, nobody walks on water. Some people say they do, but they don't. <laughs> there there's the water and the waves and peter says jesus if that's really you tell me to come out and walk on the water." He says, it's me come on out peter peter gets out of the boat he starts walking on the water and he turns and he looks and he sees the wind and the waves and instead of looking to jesus and he starts to help i'm seeking he's a fisherman he's supposed to know how to swim (laughs) he's out there oh save me jesus gets him okay get in the boat how come it didn't work all the way Oh, you have little faith. Then later on, uh, Jesus uh, says, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to kill me. And Peter, right after telling them, we know that you're the Son of God. We know you're the Messiah. And uh, Peter tells him, no, you're not going to get killed. You're going to go into Jerusalem and be victorious. And uh, uh, we're going to wipe out the Romans. And Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. Because you're not thinking about the things of God, but the things of earth. This the same guy that denied Jesus three times, and he, when before um, he does all that, Jesus tells him, Peter, when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. And here he is. He's written two letters to strengthen the brethren. You and I are the brethren. We looked last week about um, relationships. I'm going to look this week. About other relationships, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we have your Word that we can look at, that we can read, that we can digest and and uh, and take in, so that it will uh, motivate us and move us and turn us whichever way you want us to go. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's begin. Verse thirteen. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. What in the world? I thought being a Christian was all lollipops and gumdrops and, uh, uh, you know, you become, you get saved and it's really a nice deal. It is. It's a great deal. We get saved from, uh, (laughs) you know, we get saved from going to hell. We get saved from the power of the enemy, of our souls. But I want you to look at this word here, zealous. Hardly anybody uses this word around here anymore. It means to be devoted to what is good. And who's going to harm you? This begins a third series according to... Uh, mr. Barnes's notes of exhortations the first one was in chapter 1 verse 13 to chapter 2 verse 10 and it was a concerning personal duties as Christians to grow once you get saved we don't stay the same can you say amen Amen. praise God God's not done with us yet hallelujah can you say amen Praise God. The second set of exhortations began in chapter 2, verse 11, and ended in chapter 3, verse 12, and it concerned social duties, conduct among pagans and unbelievers, how to relate to your government, and all that. Uh, So here's a question. (coughs) Today's difficult question. I know it was difficult for me because... (laughs) This is a really tough thing for me to do sometimes. Can you treat everyone you deal with, everyone you deal with, as though you're dealing with Jesus? Think about that. We're made in the image of likeness of God. There's people that look so, I'll never forget driving down Oracle Road, seeing this beat up old pickup truck and on the back bumper was this bumper sticker, God's gift to women. I pulled up and I looked in the truck and it was the ugliest guy I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what a representation of manhood. Good God. <laughs> Speaking of representations of manhood, I don't know if you've seen on Facebook, somebody posted something about uh, a, a Baptist minister who was on the Titanic on his way to America to preach some revival meetings. He had already been to D.L. Moody's church. Um, I, John Harper is his name. Look it up. He was on the Titanic. He's the individual who got the orchestra to play Nearer My God to me as the ship was sinking. As the ship fell apart and went down under the water, everybody jumped in the water. He swam around asking people, are you saved? He come up to one guy he's hanging on a piece of wood he says, are you saved? the guy says no and he tries to get him saved and he doesn't okay here you need this life jacket more than me and he swims to someone else and somehow the water brings him back to that same individual and he says are you saved?" he says no just believe in the lord jesus and you will be saved and then he sunk under the waters and that young man years later he said there were only seven people that got fished out of the water Into the lifeboats who were saved from that disaster. Years later, this young man got up and testified. I'm the last convert of John Harper. I saw him sink under the waves. He tried, he came to me and tried to get me saved, and I refused, and somehow he came back. But it was because of him that I survived the Titanic and it's because of him that I'm bound for heaven. I wish to God and I pray that we would all have that attitude in us is that when we talk to people, are you saved? I had the opportunity to talk to one of the young men at work on Friday and uh, I-, I told him, you know, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because that's the day I got saved, 1981. And he said, well, I've tried reading the Bible before and I said, well, you know what? If you read it as though it's God's Word it'll make a big difference if you read it as though God is speaking to you through those words in the book it'll make a big difference in your life so I know he's searching so here's an opportunity for me the same with you as you go through your day you're going to meet people you're going to be talking to people tell them about Jesus Somehow get it into the conversation. There's always a way. God will give you inspiration. So it says we're supposed to be zealous or devoted to good. Psalm 37 verses 3 through 6 says these words, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Because when you delight yourself in the Lord, He gives you desires in your heart that are in line with His desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. <clears throat> so can you treat one as though they are Jesus? Someone cuts you off in traffic. You try to put your signal on. You want to get over. And the car, there's room there for you to get in, but the car speeds up so you can't get in. (laughs) Maybe you do that. (laughs) I've done that, praise God. I'm forgiven, so (laughs) hallelujah. I'm not doing that anymore. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Hallelujah. So how... Do you be zealous for what is good? C.H. Spurgeon says, does anybody know who C.H. Spurgeon was? He was a young man who became a pastor. I believe he started preaching when he was 16. It was the thing to do in England during his days. Let's go to Sunday. Let's go to church to the place where... um, uh, Spurgeon is preaching, and, and uh, let's hear Spurgeon's message. And his whole sermon was printed in the newspaper the next day. That was the thing to do. He said, you know, discernment is the uh, ability to see the difference between what's right and what's almost right. You don't know what's right and wrong? Ask sinners. Hey, is it okay if I'm a Christian, if I do this or that? And they'll tell you plainly, no, Christians don't do those kind of things. <laughs> Praise God. Proverbs chapter 16 has something interesting to say. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Now, one version, uh, they, they capitalize the he meaning God makes your enemies to be at peace with you. In the other version, they don't capitalize the he, and in a way it kind of means that you can make your enemies to be at peace with you. Chapter 2, verse 12 of Peter's uh, letter here says, that keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable." So then, when they speak evil of you or speak against you as evil doers, they may see your good works and glorify God on the day of dis- visitation. So, we're we're doing good, and if even if somebody comes against you for righteousness' sake, and I mean, you know that that's not our own righteousness. This is the kingdom of God's righteousness. For example, I was at a political meeting, and I uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, Uh, No, I'm not sorry. I said, you know, I cannot vote for candidates who um, promote abortion. How can a candidate say, you know, I'm for abortion on one day, and then the next day they go and say, I'm for children's rights. Well, what about the children that haven't been born? And so I told those guys, I said, you know, I cannot vote. Because in my mind, and I believe in God's mind, to me, abortion is mostly for convenience. And if a person has had an abortion, God will forgive them. But to me, it's human sacrifice. And I believe God sees it that way too. So I told him, you know, I can't do that. Well, you know, so apparently that ruffled their feathers. Well, for righteousness sake, I believe that's what the Bible teaches, that that, we should protect all life. And I've told other politicians and people involved in politics, why don't we promote uh, health care from conception to the grave instead of just, uh, you know, doing the way we're doing things right now. And it's you know, no one's ever asked me that before. I okay, well, you're being asked now. Praise God. So there's other avenues or other things for righteousness sake that are being promoted or things that are against righteousness sake that are being promoted as progress in this country. But to my way of thinking, um, sin is not progress. Can you say amen? But God says, if we should suffer or have anything come against us for righteousness sake, we'll be blessed over in Iran they're getting set to execute I believe seven individuals who have left uh, Islam and uh, they're apostate according to their rules they became Christians so they're going to execute them what well, really smart send them to heaven <laughs> you don't know if you're going to heaven but they know and they're suffering now be blessed don't be afraid of them don't be troubled <laughs> because Uh, it implies that though in general a holy character would constitute safety, if you live right you don't really have a lot to be afraid of. Praise God. But there's a possibility that we might suffer you know, persecution or conflict. Matthew chapter 5 verse 10 on the Sermon of the Mount Jesus said blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 10 verse 28 Jesus said do not fear them who kill the body but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to kill both put body and soul in hell hallelujah so what's good <clears throat> you know uh, in galatians chapter 5 verse 22 it says the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering or patience kindness goodness Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against these things. There's no law. Can you imagine it being against the law to be kind? I'm sorry, we're making a rule now. It's going to go into the uh, United States Federal Code. You may no longer be kind. If you get caught being kind, you're going to prison. That's absurd. Can you say amen? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I have an odd sense of humor. But... It does not... Here's what Albert Burns said. It does not require great learning to be a Christian or be convinced of the truth of the Bible. It only requires an honest heart and a willingness to obey God. Here's a man who had more than one million volumes of his notes on the New Testament published by 1870. He knew what he was talking about. He suggests that suffering for righteousness' sake, might be unusual, but if it should occur, the sufferer should count themselves fortunate. Why? Because if disaster comes or if something comes against you, then where do we turn to? Turn to God. God's always with us, he said. He never leaves us, never fails us. If you have problems, guess where you should take them? Say, God, you know, I heard it said, Don't tell God about your problems. Tell your problems about God. (laughs) God's on the throne. God's big. God's in control. Hallelujah. Don't fear what they fear. This verse actually is coming. Have no fear for them, nor be troubled. Um, Peter's, uh, in a sense, quoting from Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. Uh, God tells Isaiah, don't be afraid of what they're afraid of. How many follow the stock market? There's a lot of people I've heard investing um, advice is don't listen to all the noise. Just look at the fundamentals. Like my older brother Andrew said, if you want to invest in a company, look at their balance sheet. If they have, uh, if they're, uh, what they owe is more than what they're worth, they're in trouble. (laughs) Praise God. So you, you look at the fundamentals, you look at the truth, not The rumors goes on to say in Isaiah chapter 8, God tells, specifically tells and uses this word to Isaiah, don't even listen to their conspiracy theories. Forget about their conspiracy theories. Just trust me because I'm God and I know what I'm talking about. Is what it says in Isaiah. I couldn't believe my eyes. Really, don't listen to their conspiracies? Well, they're all over the place today. Just go on the Internet praise God John chapter 14 verse 1 Jesus comforts his disciples and we're his disciples he says let not your heart be troubled don't be troubled hallelujah why believe in God believe also in me because Jesus said in verse 6 I am the way I am the truth I am the life, and no one can go to the Father except through Jesus. That's why those coexist bumper stickers are hogwash. They can coexist as long as Jesus isn't King, as long as He's not Lord. But with Jesus is Lord, It makes all the difference. You cannot do the things that you used to do. There's an old song uh, by uh, an old blind uh, musician. Uh, He was also a street preacher. He says, there's a great change since I've been reborn. Things I used to do, things I used to say, places I used to go, I don't go anymore. Because Jesus has changed my life. And he's come inside and he's made me a new person. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm so glad it doesn't take great learning to be a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Then he goes on to say, in verse 15, this is our attitude we should have. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Remember last time I preached, I encouraged you to think and to say, I am holy. Because I have Jesus living inside of me. Because Jesus is my Lord. He has imparted his holiness and his righteousness to us. Simply by the sacrifice he made on the cross. And simply by us putting our trust in his sacrifice. Making us good enough. Hallelujah. Honor him as holy. Always being prepared. <clears throat> Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Let's stop right there for just a moment. This is our attitude we should have: gentleness and respect. Anybody ever get into a spiritual argument with somebody? Ah, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. They're He said, we're to do with gentleness and respect. Funny thing about this word defense, it's um, a Greek word (coughs) where we get the word apology from. And in that sense, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm sorry for being a Christian. (laughs) Please forgive me for being a Christian. That's not the sense of this apology. This means to make a strong defense to show reasons that faith is believing in evidence. That's why we did that series in the Wednesday night Bible study on, um, uh, what was it? Not evidence that demands a verdict. Uh, The Case for Christ by Josh McDowell. He goes through, he did the investigation. He's an investigative reporter. He did the investigation, the case for Christ. Is Jesus who he says he was? Is the Bible true? All that. And he come to the conclusion, yes. Lee Strobel, thank you. <laughs> who did I say? Oh, Josh McDowell wrote uh, evidence that demands a, uh, a verdict. Lee Strobel wrote the case for Christ. Two great books if you want to get a really good uh, background on, uh, or an education, so to speak, on what it means to be a Christian and why it's all true and good. Praise God. So we believe in evidence. I looked at the evidence. I read the Word of God. It said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God rose from the dead, you will be saved. But it took a while before I actually, it was Thanksgiving Day, 1981, when I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Hallelujah. So, to show reasons, an apology, a defense, why do you believe the Bible? Well, there's an empty tomb over in Jerusalem. There's words that were written by eyewitnesses that say, we saw him go up in the clouds. We saw the angel standing next to us saying, why are you guys looking up at the clouds like that? He's coming back. We have the words. And John, in his gospel, he says many more words and many more things were done. So many that if there was a, a book written about it, it wouldn't be a great big book. But these are written so that you may believe because John says, I saw them with my own eyes and this is what I saw. Hallelujah. So an apology... We get the word apologetics, which is a form of philosophy where you have the reasons why you believe what you believe. Hallelujah. In Jameson Fossett and Brown's commentary, they they write about this word defense and apology. It says, um, talking about the hope that we have, we as we deny ourselves and crucify our worldliness and if we endure persecution we can be held up excuse me by the strong hope that we have our hope is the resurrection from the dead our hope is that this tent of clay as the Bible says this body is going to wear out nobody gets out alive we all some point if Jesus doesn't come back our bodies are going to expire wear out and we're going to die. But we have the hope of the resurrection from the dead. Since Jesus rose from the dead, it's a guarantee that we will be raised again from the dead. Hallelujah. And it says we'll have glorified bodies. No more pain. No more aches. No more glasses. No more dentures. <laughs> Praise God. No more broken teeth and cavities. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> 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 Hallelujah. This hope. So, truth needs to, uh, we need truth so we can base our hope on that. And it goes on to say that we have a good conscience. So, this good conscience, your conscience is good, if it works, but your conscience should also be based on truth. The truth of God's word. Because some people, they have a conscience, you know. They think it's wrong to hurt animals. Uh, uh, We make certain laws. They think it's wrong to steal. Um, But are those based on God's truth? Is it based on God's love? Is it based on God's righteousness? Or is it based on something else? Popular opinion. Hallelujah. So here's some truths. That you can share with people when they ask you, oh, what do you believe about this and that? And, well, I try to be good. Really, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned at some time. Well, what about, uh, you know, people that never heard of Jesus? Well, God is the judge of that. How about Romans chapter 6, verse 23? Well, all of sin is for the sword of the glory of God. Well, guess what? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. Well, how do you know you're saved? Joel chapter 2 verse 32 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 9 verse 9 and 10. I already uh, mentioned that if you can believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord you will be saved for with the mouth confession is made resulting in righteousness and with the heart man believes no confession is made unto salvation with the heart man believes unto righteousness well how do we know this is true well guess what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says real plain and simple it said he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us in order to make us the righteousness of God in Him. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, This is how we know God loves us. This is the proof. While we were yet sinners, before you and I were even born, Jesus died on the cross. It's a historical fact that Jesus walked the earth. Jesus of Nazareth was crucified by the Romans it's a historical fact and there's an empty tomb but there's conspiracies and rumors about what happened but we know and we have eyewitness accounts that said we saw him with our own eyes hallelujah it goes on have a good conscience by doing good things and being good So that when you are slandered, people speak against you. Those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And this doesn't mean you get to go, ah, see, I told you, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) One time I had this guy giving me a hard time on a job. And I told him, you know what, you need to be careful. In the Old Testament, these kids come out and they started goofing on the prophet of God. And two bears came out of the woods and mauled them. Thirty kids. Yeah, well, you're messing with me, and so oh, whatever. Next week, <laughs> that poor guy had hemorrhoids so bad he had to go to the doctor. <laughs> Come on, let me pray for you. <laughs> just saying. But it wasn't. I I didn't delight in that. I just thought, my goodness, better be careful. Don't want to be messing with God's people. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) It's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will. How many know that it might be God's will? In certain countries in the world, it is suffering. People are being harmed just because they believe in Jesus. If only they knew what Jesus had done for them I remember one time uh, we were passing out uh, flyers handbills leaflets inviting people to a, a revival meeting we were having uh, this is years and years ago and I went to give one guy one and he says what are you some kind of a fanatic and I thought for a second well and I told him I said if you knew what Jesus did for you you'd be a fanatic too he said, oh yeah I know I go to such and such a church and I thought really do they teach you to be rude at that church like that? <laughs> oh, you know, we, we test the spirits to see if they're of God. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you could not do it so rudely. <laughs> but if that should be God's will, but that doesn't mean. I remember one pastor told me, you know, if you really want to be a martyr, we could send you over here. <laughs> no. If if God wants me to be a martyr, He'll make a way. He doesn't want me to go force the issue. Hey guys, I'm a Christian. Come kill me. (laughs) That's nuts. How would that help the kingdom of God? (laughs) But if that should be God's will, it's better to suffer for doing good than doing evil. How many know if you break the law, you might wind up in jail, might get arrested. And then you would deserve what you get. But if you get accused of doing evil when you're doing good, <clears throat> it's better to be persecuted that way than to have the law come after you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. For Christ himself also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Sometimes when you go through hard times, it builds character. Other times it forces us to get closer to God. I don't know about you, but even after 30 some odd years of serving God, there's still room for me to get closer to God. 1981, uh, 2019, uh, 2021 will be 40 years. It seems like a short time. But I'm telling you, there's room for me to get closer to God. And you too, can you say amen? Hallelujah. It should make us turn to God for support. Christ is our example. And the purpose of His suffering was that he might bring us to God. That's the whole purpose of Jesus. It's the most important event in all of history, in the entire, if, we're, if the universe is four billion years old, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, especially the resurrection from the dead, is the most important event that has ever happened. Without the resurrection, there's no hope for anyone. Hallelujah. Notice here that death took place in the flesh but His new life took place in the Spirit. His Spirit left His body when He died. It says He gave up the ghost. He didn't die. His body just stopped working. Not only that, He took that death in our place as though he had sinned think about that that's what jesus did for us he said okay i'm taking your place and he took the punishment we deserved as though he had sinned himself that's mind boggling to me i don't know how it works <laughs> i just believe it he's made alive hallelujah <clears throat> So he suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, because we were unrighteous, even while we were yet in, even while we were his enemy, he lavished his love on us. The Bible says, by Jesus going to the cross and taking tasting of death, He had to do that in order to bring us to God. there's no other way because uh, <clears throat> Somebody has to pay for that sin. And that was Jesus. Glory to God. This might be a kind of short sermon. And then he went, and this is an odd thing that I had to look up. He went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison in which, in the spirit. Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Who are these spirits in prison? Here's the key. They formerly did not obey in the days of Noah. These are all the spirits of the people that didn't obey Noah. And in the Spirit, according to the commentary I read, what it's talking about is that Jesus, in the Spirit, spoke through Noah to those people. He proclaimed through Noah God's demand for righteousness. I always wondered about this. What what prison were they in? These are the people who died in the great flood. that's not purgatory either this is a this is talking about a time period so to speak While noah was building the ark it says he preached God's righteousness and they didn't obey even though God was patiently waiting that's why it says in the scripture today that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. That's why it seems like it's taken a long time for Jesus to come back. The early disciples believed Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. Jesus could come back in our lifetime. Nobody knows. Just be ready. Praise God. But they 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 wouldn't listen. Sound familiar? Try telling people about Jesus today. Ah, I don't want to hear that stuff. <laughs> you know, you're gonna ruin our relationship. Keep talking about Jesus. I would say that our relationship's kind of ruined already. Why are we talking about somebody that we love or someone that loves us ruin our relationship? I that was uh, <coughs> I don't know how to explain that to somebody. So why why are we talking about Jesus ruin our relationship? Next time I see him, I'll have to ask him. <coughs> Praise God. So these spirits. Noah's generation, that's where they are, so-called, they call it a prison scripture. Um, And it's just like today. Even though this is talking about former times, it's just like today. A lot of people don't want to hear about Jesus because Jesus makes demands on people. So you shouldn't be doing that anymore. You should do this. You should tell others about the great salvation of God. You should, I mean, inside all day long I'm thinking, you know, I'm at work. I've got to concentrate on work. I'm not supposed to be talking while I'm working. I'm supposed to be working while I'm working. But I want to be able to say something to somebody to get them to think about at least their Think about eternity and think about Jesus and how good He is. Hallelujah. It says that they were saved safely through water. the water. Held up the ark. This is the same picture of the Israelites going through the Red Sea. It's a, 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 a picture, so to speak, of baptism, <coughs> where we, and that's in the next uh, slide here, I believe, talking about baptism but they were brought safely through water. The water that killed everybody else healed them. The Bible says that when Jesus was speared by the Roman soldier, water and blood came out of His side. Talk- and water represents cleansing. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so God knows what He's talking about. Hallelujah. He wants to use you and I to win souls. Hallelujah. He wants to um, build His church around the world. So uh, as you go through your daily life, think about what can I say? What can I do to help somebody look to Jesus as their Savior? And we'll end with this next two verses. Where is verse twenty-two? Oh, there it is. Okay, no wonder, baptism, which corresponds to this, Noah going through the flood, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Here's that conscience thing again, and this appeal. This um, when you we get baptized in some countries when you get baptized. You're publicly proclaiming that I'm a disciple of Jesus, and it puts your life in danger. When you get baptized, it's, it's a symbol of being buried and raised again from the dead with Jesus, because Jesus rose again from the dead. And if you haven't been baptized as a believer in Jesus, uh, let Pastor Wayne and I know And uh, we can get you baptized as a profession of your faith as a a declaration to the world I have decided to follow Jesus I'm laying down my old life I'm going to take up a new life excuse me it's the most important event in all of history is the resurrection so we follow Jesus example Jesus was baptized he wasn't baptized as a baby he knew what he was doing that's why we don't baptize babies in this church so it's an appeal to God for good conscience because when we get baptized, like I said, we're following Jesus' um, uh, example and we are proclaiming to the world that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because this resurrection gives us the power and this new life gives us the power to live for God. goes on to say, That Jesus, who, who, say who, who, Jesus has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Why does it say the right hand of God? Does anybody remember uh, when Stephen was stoned in the book of Acts? He says, I see the heavens opened, and I see the Son of God standing At the right hand of God here it says he's at the right hand of God in another place it says he's seated at the right hand but Stephen said I see him standing as though he's taking notice and he's at the right hand because in effect that's the place of power Jesus said, he'll say to those on his right, enter into the joy of the Lord. He'll say to those on the left, depart from me, I never knew you. And they'll say, oh, we did all these great things in your name. And he said, well, I never knew you. So our duty is to know Jesus and to win souls. Hallelujah. So angels are subject to Jesus. Authorities are subject to Jesus, whether they like it or not, and whether they think they're not. And powers, these are uh, spiritual things that are happening around us. They haven't been subjected to him. So they're already, whether or not they acknowledge it or not, they're subjected to Jesus. Jesus, when it says he's Lord, it means he's Lord. He's the boss. He gets to tell everybody what to do. The King. I tried doing that that earlier. It's only 63 degrees in here. What? (laughs) Let have more people there next week. (laughs) That'll keep us warm. (laughs) Praise God. (coughs) I tried to. I don't know this new modern technology. I mean, I got this pointer here. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. We'll close with that. God is on the throne. God is on the move. Next time you're going through your day and you get a chance to tell somebody about Jesus, just think about this. God is speaking through you. Think about this. It's an exciting time to be alive because there's so many people on the earth and and God is, is pouring out His Spirit, whether it looks like it or not. It doesn't look like it too much in this country, but God is pouring out His Spirit. Um... I don't know if you are familiar with the Moravian church over in Europe in the 1700s. uh, Out of that church, they had a a group of people that would pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 360 days a year. They did that for 100 years straight. Out of that movement came uh, worldwide missions. Right now, in Washington, D.C., every home for Christ has set up a tent and there's Putting into process. I don't know how many days so far. They, they, they want to do that again. 24-hour day, seven days a week, 365 days and 366 days in during leap year. They want to do that until Jesus comes back. To me, I'd say, yes, let's do that. Pray, keep God in your thoughts all the time. Keep Try to keep a reserve. What can I say? How can I win somebody to Jesus? What can I tell them without being rude, and without being contentious. Because sometimes people will argue with you, and you say, look, I'm not arguing. I'm just telling you what God has done in my life. He's changed me. He loves me. He loves you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And he made a way for that by sending Jesus to the earth to take our place and to raise again from the dead, to give us a new life. I told these one bikers one time, hey man, you know, Jesus can give you a better life. And he looked at me and he says, there ain't no better life than what I got. Years later, I saw one of those guys at a a, a, a meeting, a, a Bikers for Christ meeting. And I thought, I remember that guy. I bet he doesn't remember me, but I remember him. Because one of the other guys got up and said, oh, he used to be a big rabble-rouser and troublemaker. And look, God's changed his life. And I thought, praise God. I planted a seed. God won. Made it grow. Somebody else watered it. Hallelujah. So you never know. Praise God. So let's close in prayer this morning.